welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. So I am Margot. I am a sexaholic, and I am very grateful to be here. I'm just in awe of the world representation on this call, and very grateful since I'm not really able to get to international conventions these days. Um, it's wonderful to be here. And I also say welcome, welcome, welcome to the people who are less than 90 days because it's a hard program to come into. And it takes, I thought it took me a lot of courage, desperation and courage. And so welcome everybody. I'm going to just say a prayer. God, please help me set aside everything I think I already know about you, the program, and the world and for an open mind and a new experience. And you know the needs of people on this call. I just pray that you would help me to say something that will help somebody. So my topic is to going to any length. And that comes from the third step in the big book. Um, If we're willing to go to any length to get what people who are sober have, Um, and I don't pretend to know what going to any length looks like for other people. I'll just share you with you a little bit of experience about what it means to me. Um, I think it's sometimes mysterious what helps a person to reach the bottom and, and get sober. I know for me, it was not the worst acting out I ever did by any means. Um, it was when I flirted with someone I had acted out with in front of his wife, and she knew that we had had an affair. For some reason, that was showed me my powerlessness. And so I came into the program. Um, but in terms of going to any lengths, I, I did make some notes, so I'm going to be looking at them. Um, so there are two reasons, two motivations for why I want to go to any lengths. When I came in here, I was desperate to be sober. I was miserable and I was powerless. Um, So for one thing, I don't ever want to go back to the things that I had in my life when I was acting out. And they included um, driven to compulsive sex with myself for 30 years from about age eight to 38. Um, acting out with myself regardless of appropriateness or time or other responsibilities. Seeking the next one to save me, which I did for about 20 years. Um, Acting out in very dangerous situations. Putting my health at risk. Um, If I were not sober today, I would be out there regardless of any pandemic. And so putting my health at risk, 
um, only by the grace of God, I did not get pregnant and I did not get AIDS, but that's not because of anything I did. Living a lie, my whole life from age eight was based on a lie and about on based on things that I had to hide. I had a whole life that I had to hide. And that is a very hard way for a kid to grow up and for an adult to live, as you all know. Um, it splits up the soul and the self. Um, acting on selfishness, resentment, and fear in my relationships, but not having a clue as to what I was doing or what was up with me or why things were hard. Losing a job. One time when my acting out partner came to my workplace and my parent, my parents, my employers did an intervention. Um, and that, and I left that job and went back to live with my parents, um, hurting my parents and my friends deeply as I did. Um, feeling suicidal. I don't wish to go back there. Um, feeling the inadequate, but that I had no resources, that somehow I had to rely on myself and just that horrible alone feeling and just lots of clouds and clouds between me and God. God obviously was taking care of me the whole time. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to go back to those things. What I don't want to lose, what I love about my life today that I would lose if I lost my sobriety is uh, a sense of peace a lot of the time, a sense of integrity and clarity and gratitude. I didn't feel gratitude in my heart like I do today. And then tools, higher power, and you people to help me when I don't feel those things. Um, my health. My home, I have a, I'm retired now, and I just bought a home for the first time in my life uh, year, two years ago. And um, I can be here by myself and, ha and have a calm feeling about life. I have creative endeavors that I couldn't really pursue with any depth when I was acting out, and now I can. Um, connection with nature. I used to feel just nervous and restless and discontent and irritable when I was out outdoors. And now I feel a lot of nurturing from nature. Being useful, both in my programs and in other communities like my church, my job. Um, knowing more how I operate like today, I have a clue if I feel bad about an interaction. I, I have tools that help me to know what, went, what my part was. And that is such a gift. Um, before I did this intensive step work, I was really afraid to do the fourth step because I thought it would just be another excuse to beat up on myself. But what I found was that it was extremely freeing and liberating um, because the truth is always better <laughs> than denial, even though it's hard to look at it. Um, and, of course, I couldn't do that without a sponsor and the fellowship and, you know, people to accept me. One another th other things I wouldn't want to give up are how I feel when I take a program action, such as praying, 
asking God or a person for help, apologizing for something, which the program has taught me how to do, um, working a step, uh, holding, keeping my mouth shut or speaking up. Uh, these are all just things that make me feel like there's somebody home. I love the end of the uh, the solution in the white book where it says we were making the real connection. We were home. And I love that because it means there's somebody home in me when you talk to me. Um, and of course, also that the program is a home for me. So these are all really great reasons not to act out. But the, the big book tells me and the program tells me that I have a built in forgetter. Some, and that someone's unmuted. And that I have a mental, I, I have a mental obsession. This is what the big book tells me um, in the early chapters that if I just left to my own devices, eventually, even if I haven't acted out for a long time, the uh, acting out is going to look good to me. And uh, it's, I wrote a note next to the second part, I think it is, of the 18-wheeler where it says, um, stop feeding the obsession. I wrote a note that someone must have said at a meeting that said, the more I get close to acting out, the more uh, normal it seems and the less I'm in reality. And I think that's what it tells me in the doctor's opinion, too, in the big book, um, that their life seems like the only uh, normal one. So how do I um, keep fresh in my mind that I want to live in reality and I, that I want to be sober? And that has to do with um, enmeshing myself in the program and it's kind of a weave, I think. Um, it kind of working the program reinforces my desire and reminds me of uh, how I don't want to go back and how the joys that I have in my life today. Um, and so it's like a, a feedback loop between working the program and remembering why I want to work the program. So for me, the bottom line is, and I kind of translate this from another program, don't act out. We have a slogan in that program, no matter what. Um, and I know Harvey Asher has a kind of a version of that, which I won't say right now. <laughs> but um, don't act out no matter what. And that means if I, like a few weeks ago, I was meditating and I started having this fantasy about a healer person that I had gone to see, and I immediately called somebody. And, you know, I didn't wait to say, gee, was that a resentment or a fear or what's behind it? I mean, sometimes that does, that is useful at times, but in the moment, I will do anything to not act out because that's my only chance. This is just my personal opinion. Um, in our other program, which is mainly 99% women, um, one of my friends used to say, go wrinkle your clothes and then iron them. <laughs> um, 
just do anything that it takes. And I tried to think of an example for men, like, I don't know, go build a bookcase and then tear it up. I'm not sure. But um, it's really, really important to me to have that as a, um, for me, as the bottom line of my commitment. Um, And it's gotten me through some really tough things in my own thinking. Um, And so the basics of going to any length for me are, first of all, they told me when I came into my first program, get down on your knees in the morning and ask for help and get down on your knees at night and thank God for a day of sobriety. And I also ask for help at night because um, I had an experience of dating someone in this program and I just, at that time, needed to overlap my 24 hours. So I do every 12 hours, I'm asking for help and I'm thanking God for sobriety. I'm thanking God that I wake up in the morning sober. Um, Going to meetings to keep it green um, and to listen and to learn and to share. Get a sponsor um, and, and to do the steps. What happened for me was I actually came into SA, well, I don't know how important this is to say. Um, I had a co-sponsor in my early years, and she died um, in 1993. And at that time, I also started dating someone, and it wasn't a good situation for me. I just didn't have the tools. I didn't have connection with larger fellowship. Um, But that catapulted me into a very intensive uh, step work that originated here in Massachusetts called the Big Book Step Study. And that really, really helped me. Um, So the steps have become very, very important to me. Um, Step, especially one, two, and three, which uh, I cycle through all the time, and six and seven and 10. Um, So if something comes up, in my life, uh, some kind of a trigger or something like that. Um, Then I have made calls already, so I have people to call. And that's very important. Um, And I was reading over this um, part in How It Works, where it says, going to any length to get it. And it says, half measures availed us nothing. But then on the next page, it says, um, we are not saints. Um, We claim uh, personal progress, not spiritual perfection. So I'm thinking, well, what's up with that? Half measures avail us nothing, but we're supposed to just be so happy with progress. (laughs) So what I came to in my own mind was um, what it talks about with Jim, the car salesman, where it says he failed to to expand his spiritual life. That whatever level I'm at or whatever level anybody's at, it's about keeping growing. And that can mean different things at different times. And that doesn't mean that I've been perfectly always keeping growing. I haven't. I feel like, you know, higher power has just, it carries me. um, And that whole interaction between what I do and what God does is a bit mysterious. But I do 
keep embedded in this program. And I try to be open to guidance. So what I do today is um, I ask for help in the morning. I thank at night. I call my sponsor every day um, and just make a commitment to sobriety. She doesn't answer. We do talk once a week. Um, I could do a lot better at calling other women in the program. Um, and uh, we have, I go to two meetings, Zoom meetings, and then I, in, in a, for, that originate in Massachusetts that are focused around the steps. And um, I try to go on the noon phone meeting, the noon uh, Eastern time phone meeting as, as much as I can. I'm also in three other programs, so my life is pretty structured around program. Um, and I would say that I, am, I do not have the emotional connection with higher power that I hear other people having uh, in this program and other programs. And I still long for that and, and hope for that and pray about that. Um, but I have been given so many gifts by my higher power. Um, it's just my personality. Relationships have always been hard for me and feelings and all that, um, that realm of stuff. So um, sometimes I think about, uh, there's a saying, I think it's in one of the AA literatures that said, God who prefers to, re who prefers to remain anonymous. And um, I always feel like God is like nudging me in directions and God probably meets me exactly where I can be met at, at any given point. I think God is gentle and he doesn't want to, I don't know. I don't know what God is thinking. But anyway, I'm just grateful to be on this path and very, very grateful to be sober and just to uh, keep in the forefront of my mind that there's nothing there for me in acting out. If you're new, um, there is a period of withdrawal. I went through that myself, and it was very, very important to um, build up a fellowship of people and uh, do the daily renewals and just keep, keep coming. Um, so anyway, I think that's about all I have to say. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Priscilla, sexaholic. Hi, Priscilla. I just want to say, Margo, thank you. Um, it's just always a good reminder that, you know, without this fellowship, I would be even crazier person than I am today. <laughs> and I'm just ever so grateful to have a chance to, to see you and to hear you. And also to share this time with, I think I counted up 14 folks from 14 countries. I mean, that's just remarkable to me. And the fact that we're all on the same journey together. Um, but I appreciate all the reminders of, of working the program. And it doesn't matter, how, doesn't matter how many days or years we've got in sobriety. Um, it's, it's an ongoing journey. And so I just thank you for your share, for your... Um, wisdom and your continued journey on our path. Thank you, Priscilla. Thanks.
Dominic Vexalik, may I share? Sure, go ahead, Dominic. Um, thank you so much, Margot, for your share. First of all, I want to surrender that my mother's name is the same, or the first name. And so I think this is a special, special connection, whatever. Um, second, I have a question. Uh, I also just recently uh, started uh, in, a, in a fellowship where, where many women are there and uh, where a slogan is kind of uh, no matter what something. And that fellowship is so much time consuming for me. And also in my head, there is the, that, uh, that thought, yeah, I'm a, I'm a better person um, than other people who are not only attending one, one fellowship. And I was just wondering um, if you can say something, if you have these thoughts and how to handle. Thank you. So if I understand, if I have the thoughts that um, I'm better than other people, is that what you mean? Yes. Yes. Well, I have those thoughts all the time, but not necessarily about program. Um, I do have thought, when I hear someone's powerlessness in a program and think that it, maybe they could well use another program that I know about. Um, I do feel that I wish they would be in that program. But mostly about myself, I just feel like I need a lot of help. Um, I need a village, many villages to keep me going. Um, and yeah, so I'm not immune from judging people. But for myself and for other people, I am hoping and trying to use my program to have compassion for myself and other people and whatever help we need. I hope that answers your question. Yes, thank you. Hi, this is Tyson. Hi, Tyson. Um, I just wanted to say thanks, Margot, for sharing. I really enjoyed your show or your sharing. Um, and I really enjoy hearing the other side because um, a lot of the fellowships that I'm in are very male-based and it's nice to hear the female side of being a sexaholic. Um, so I thank you very much for that. Um, my question is kind of open, I guess. Um, with sobriety, um, it says in the book that it's not the end-all be-all of being in this program. It's about being sober and the um, progressive victory over lust. Which one do you think is more important, I guess? The actual sobriety or the progressive victory over lust? Well, I guess I would relate it to time. I think that one of the gifts of this program is that if I'm sober, I can, I am sober if I'm not acting out. And that's very important at the beginning, especially to get me through withdrawal and, uh, and more connected in the fellowship. But if I stay there, um, I'm going to go back to where I was because 
So I, I don't know if I could choose, but I do think um, getting, getting my feet on the ground with just sobriety in the beginning is really important. But then, especially working with a sponsor, coming to meetings and hearing things, um, you know, as people have said, I don't have to go to a bar and take a drink of alcohol. I have, I have this disease right in my head. I'm carrying lust around with me all the time. And plus, I want to have a contented sobriety. And if I'm constantly being triggered and on the edge, I'm, that's not how I want to live. And so progressive victory over lust becomes the, uh, the, you know, the next phase of the program that I think is really important. Um, and I heard at a conference, um, somebody was talking about when he had a, when he had a lust hit or got triggered, He's, he interpreted it as Alfie. God saying, Alfie, you need me. <laughs> and so um, I don't think I'll ever be free from lust totally. As Jess L. said once, you just turn to God quicker, and I hope that will be my path. I hope that answered your question. Answered it perfectly. Thank you very much. Okay, I'll jump in. I'm Luke, and um, thank you very much, Margot. I, I love talks of people who are long-term in this program because my mind wants to play tricks the whole time. And one of the tricks is you're not, you're not working a good program. It's not saying that the whole time, but sometimes it says that. And when I hear the stories of people who are way, way before me on the path, I'm hearing, no, 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 no. What they're experiencing or what I'm experiencing, they are experiencing it also. So it's, it's a lie of my disease. Um, I heard you say I would be out there regardless of, of this pandemic. And that's my truth also. I would even, my disease would even enjoy, quote unquote, enjoy the danger and the taboo even more. So I'm so glad I'm sober today. And also you said I have a built-in forgetter. Yeah. That's also good to hear from me because sometimes I think, oh, but I'm 10 years sober now. I should be, it sh my brain should be working better now or this built-in forgetter sh should, be, should be fading by now. But no, it's still there. <laughs> and, um, and the last thing about the half measures avail us nothing, it's just something that I heard and I liked because I need to say that to my mind also. Half measures avail us nothing. I heard that we need to do step one, namely powerless over lust. We need to do that perfect. I need to do that perfect. And the other steps, it's progress, not perfection. But if I start thinking, oh, no, no, progress, not perfection about lust sobriety, then my mind is cheating on me again and my disease is kicking in. Yeah? So it's, it's good to, to keep those things separate. Thank you. Luke, I'll just say that I, it's not that I feel close to having a built, that my built-in forgetter is kind of very conscious, but I know it's there. And I like to say, I don't want to walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and look over to see how deep it is. I want to stay away, you know, like several miles away. So anyway. Thank you, Marco. Hi, I'm Muhammad Sexaholic. Hey, Muhammad. 
thank you everyone uh thanks Margaret. uh i was uh actually in the first uh also uh, the first sentence about how 30 days is hard and uh it's especially for the uh, newcomers and those who want to uh may i ask you to share uh, a little uh, part of your experience uh in dealing how to come up with the 30 days challenges and uh and hardship thank you how to get through the first 30 days i th i think yes yes okay. yes good question number one be on meetings like this you're doing exactly the right thing i think you said this was day two if i remember correctly yes um, correct yeah uh ask for help in the morning and thank at night Spend time, I don't know what your background is or anything like that, but if you can, spend some quiet time with uh, praying and reading the white book, reading the step into action if you have those, um, and or reading the AA big book and doing some writing about the paragraphs that you read and how they relate to your personal experience. Calling at least three people a day um, or I, whatever, whatever media is available to you. Um, uh, calling, if you can get a sponsor, talk to your sponsor every day. And, um, I guess practice gratitude, which is really, really hard at the beginning, I think, but just so grateful that you're here and you're not here by accident. Um, I like to, this is my one slogan that I made up, which is gratitude is God's phone number. And, um, I feel like, uh, I forget that all the time, but when I do say even the tiniest thing that I'm grateful for, I feel it in my heart feels like I'm home. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. And I think too, to just know that you're going to, like it says in the white book, you're going to be hit with, with uh, waves of lust probably. And whatever you can do not to act on it, um, it will pass. And there have been times when I talk to myself and I, like if I really wished I had a partner or something like that, I say, well, I'm much happier than if I was lying next to someone and we were hating each other. Or I'm much happier than people who wish they had food and shelter. And uh, so I just talk to myself like that. But I guess at the beginning, I couldn't do that. So it's more important to talk to other people and just keep coming, coming onto as many meetings as you can. Thanks for the question. And I hope that helps. Thank you so much, Margaret. Thank you so much for that answer. Hi, I am uh, Mohammed from Dubai, and I would like mm -hmm. to share. I'm not 30 days uh, sober, but I Go think. Go ahead, Mohammed. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, for me, uh, I feel like I am spiritually connected. I'm a very grateful person, and I'm, I'm very happy about that part. But what I lack is <clears throat> hearing that I lack the tools. Can you guys hear me properly? Sure. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah. So I lack I, I lack the tools and the and the measures you guys go go and uh, it can sound overwhelming to hear what you guys are doing, like attending meetings, programs, uh, calling people per day, sponsors and etc. But for me, I feel it's exciting that if you guys are doing it, I don't know how many years sober and you're still doing it and you still have the forget inbuilt forget is a new term just learning it today uh it gives me hope it gives me energy it gives me so much positivity uh in my journey and i'm very excited to go and write down these things i heard you saying writing it down and planning your whole life around the the things you guys need to do and it is very, very nice to hear. And I'm very happy to hear the things you guys do. And I'm just taking notes and hopefully I can start the procedure as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the service. Thank you, Margot, for sh your sharing. Thanks, Luke, for the service. And uh, thank everybody for attending the meeting and being here for me. Thanks, Mohammed. Thanks, Mohammed. Hi, my name is Hamed Sikzali from Iran. Hi, Hamed. Hi, Marco, and thank you for your great share. I liked your share because I could feel uh, honesty and humility in your words. I like that. And about what you shared, I strongly believe that I need to work the program as I work in the first day of my program. I, as variety and I need to do that forever, like the first day, every day using the tools, every day calling, every day meetings, and doing something every day for my recovery. Otherwise it doesn't work for me, it won't work me. And yeah, thank you for reminding that to me again. And that was amazing, thank you so much. Hi, this is Pavel. May I share with me? Sure, go ahead, Pavel. Uh, thank you so much, Margot, uh, for your share. Uh, thank you for uh, just, uh, I had some kind of reflection about your share that, uh, uh, mm, that are very familiar to me. I'd like to share briefly about, about feeling my emotion that uh, if, if I would like to heal, I have to feel my emotion and uh, I have some kind of struggles recently when things are going tough in my private life. Uh, <clears throat> I have problem of facing the feelings, yes, with uh, honestly feeling my feelings. And you mentioned about being, uh, I, maybe you, you haven't uh, told about being busy, but when you mentioned about doing the wrinkles uh, and uh, ironing them, just is a form of uh, going to to any length just to stay sober and making myself busy uh, and actually I am I don't know where is the middle ground before uh, with uh, escaping from from last with kind of making myself busy and letting myself to be vulnerable letting myself to feel my feelings because uh, when I feel my feelings I have uh, I have the opportunity to heal my my wounds yes from from my childhood and and uh, from uh, 25 years of acting out. Uh, 
So just as my reflection, I don't know if it's a question, but maybe you, you can respond uh, uh, with, with your experience. Thank you for letting me share. <clears throat> Thank you for that reflection, and that's a really good point. Um, I think when I'm talking about the wrinkling clothes and ironing them, that is mm, pertains to a lust hit that's overwhelming um, when you really want to act out. Um, beyond that, yes, as I've recovered, I have had to feel, get into feeling my feelings, and that is very important. And, uh, and there is a lot of healing to do, but not when I'm in the throes of a lust hit. I think that's my, that was my point. Thank you. And I will mention that I am in another program that has to do with work addiction and <laughs> being busy, which someone in this program suggested to me. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly trying to balance that kind of thing myself. Hello, this is Aweb Miyashir. All right. Uh, I want to thank you, Margaret, for this. And I want to ask you some uh, about um, one question. Uh, how can I deal with uh, withdrawal symptoms? I keep sharing and surrender, but I always feel like my brain and my heart uh, like a house on fire. So how can I deal with that? Um, so the question is, how can you deal with constantly slipping? No, uh, it's uh, withdrawal symptoms. Oh, they are just staying on, lingering on? Yes. Mm. I don't know what to say, except that if I still felt that way today, I wouldn't be in the program. Um, it is really, really hard sometimes. And I think is the, I just... For me, developing connections with other people, in the, other women in the program was, was just how I got through it. I, I feel for you. It's really hard. But the thing is, what are my choices? My choices are acting out or going forward. So I, I don't know what to say beyond that, but keep, just don't give up. I've seen so many people come into our meetings and just crying to be sober and then i never see them again and so, and or you know just please don't give up i am rizwana from india can i go ahead the floor is yours rizwana yes hi thank you margaret for your shares um i wanted to ask um my question is um i agree with what you said about being grateful every minute you know that gratitude really helped me along with the meetings so my question is um, how you know what helps you not to take that higher power for granted you know when we keep writing this gratitude list it's like amazing this higher power is so great you know he'll keep helping he has kept helping <laughs> and he would still help us and then that time comes you know that relapse moment where i would tend to forget asking higher power you know, because I have that strong faith that, you know, he will eventually help. And that is what surrender means, it seems, you know, maybe. <laughs> so that surrender doesn't happen. And that it really picking up drink, relapse, everything follows. You know, what helps you to stay on that remembrance with higher power and keep surrendering? 
how not to resent of being grateful and then falling into relapse thank you thanks for the question that's a great question and i don't do it perfectly um i don't know i really don't know why i've been able to want this program so much um even in moments i mean i in moments of resentment fear i i do write a gratitude list every night as you say um that you do also you write it regularly and that really helps me tremendously um i think i don't know what to say i'm sorry the more i embed myself in this program the more that i uh stay in touch with people work the steps i do do a 10th step every night um i have a 10th step buddy who i talk to 3 mornings a week and we do our gratitudes and turn over any resentments and fears and say the prayers together um i just keep uh keep seeking i don't ever i don't want to get close to that place where i just say it's not worth it um uh i don't know what else to say thank you marco keep coming hey i share sure buddy Thank you. I'm buddy. I'm a sexaholic. Can you guys hear me okay? Or do I sound like a chipmunk? Yeah, no. we can. But we're used to that, buddy. So <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Thank you, Margo. Thank you for sharing today. Um I I would actually like to respond to the the the, the fellow who asked about the withdrawal. I had warped my mind and my body so so badly my withdrawal went on for 6 months and and what i had found for me that i had to take it 5 minutes at a time i i couldn't i couldn't even plan to be sober for a day at a time it took 5 minutes at a time i would just sometimes sit on the edge of my bed and just dig my hands into it and the obsession the temptation which just would slam into me like a wave coming out of the ocean and i just had to believe that i could get through this with god's help as long as i didn't give up on myself and it it took it did it took months months um and and as i said i i recognize i that's how badly i had warped my mind and i it was so hard to believe my body could be physically addicted to acting out but it was it was worse than coming off of heroin that the heroin was a, was a sunday picnic compared to coming off of lust um and today still right right now i'm doing a period of abstinence in my marriage and when i go into a voluntary abstinence sometimes it's the same way my body demands of me that that i have relations with my wife 
And I have to just keep surrendering and keep praying and keep focusing on the reason that I'm doing the abstinence. And it is hard. It is absolutely the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh but, but I also know that, that for me, if I don't stay sober, I will die. It's as simple as that. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Time probably for two or three more shares. So please, if you want to share, don't wait too long. Hi, this is Dennis. Ah. Oh, go ahead. Thank go you. Ahead. Hi, I'm Katinka. Uh, I would more have a question than a share. Ahead, yeah. So my actual um, thing is with, with sponsorship. And you mentioned the time in 1993 when someone died. I... I don't get if it's a sponsor of, or if it was more like a friend, but what's your opinion about um, doing the program for a while without, without a leader, without a sponsor? Because I feel like the program is even dangerous for me. I go codependent on my sponsor or sponsors. And um, I, I, I do the same circles in the, in the program instead of doing the program in the group then you know following a path and also um my problem was my acting one of my uh, acting outs is going more too close to people and clo too talkative and communicative and right now i'm experiencing that i don't want to talk to people i don't want to, to talk to people i don't know um I want to keep more distance and um, and I always get the suggestions to 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 tap into meetings and to link with fellows and I I think I have a hard time with trusting people so what's your opinion I I mean I don't want to do I know it's my program but it doesn't mean I cannot do it alone so uh, what do you think what is the rule here or what is the solution here um, changing a sponsor or go or for a while can it uh, happen to only go with the fellows and the steps thanks for the question those are big things to talk about um do you have a sponsor right now yes i do oh okay um I don't know why, but what came into my mind was that there was a period of time when I was in Essanon, and that was very helpful to me in terms of uh, codependency and some of these issues about being close to people. Um, I, did the, I did have a co-sponsor in the early years, and she died, um, and she was my best friend also. And then I've had other sponsors over the years. Um, for me, with my sponsees also, time boundaries are very important. Not to uh, have lengthy conversation, not to go on for hours, not to try to solve their problems. Um, <laughs> you're laughing. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just wanted to say that this is also a problem for me. That I, I will try to go on like uh, 
with with um, helping others. Yeah. So um, you know, it's good for me to just set set some boundaries. Like I have fifteen minutes, or I have half an hour, or uh, I also call other people when I get too uh, velcroed <laughs> to, to somebody. Um, and you know, it's a journey. And I think the more that uh, I can pray and, uh, you know, yeah, we're in this program because we weren't that great at relationships, at least I wasn't. And so that, that is part of the journey. I'm glad you asked the question and put it out into the light and that you will, I think you'll find your way. But those are some things that I've used anyway. Thank you, everybody, for sharing. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.